0: SCP-342, a ticket to ride. Let's take a break for a moment from discussing world ending threats and alien abominations, and instead talk about something a bit more mundane, a train ticket. Millions and millions of people around the world use mass transportation to travel daily, and generally there is very little uncertainty or fear during those travels. A train or bus operates on a schedule and travels along a predetermined route, meaning that a person boarding one typically knows where they're going and when they'll get there. But what if they didn't? SCP-342 is an anomaly that can make a perfectly ordinary trip anything but. 342 typically takes the form of a mass transit ticket for the closest form of mass transportation, but when held by a person, it will eventually change into a ticket for a form of transportation that person desires to use. This transformation occurs only when not being observed, and afterwards will be indistinguishable from a normal ticket. Should this ticket be used and validated, whether by stamp, tearing off the stub, or disposing of it, it will eventually reform into an unused ticket again, ready to be used by another person. The person that used the ticket will begin to feel a growing sense of dread prior to boarding the vehicle, which will only increase once the trip begins. During the trip, the individual will experience a series of anomalous phenomena resembling symptoms of acute paranoid schizophrenia. These phenomena include a perception of darkening outside the vehicle, caused by either fog, premature night, or most commonly, dreary, depressing weather. The individual will hear auditory hallucinations, generally from announcements made by the driver or other passengers, such as mishearing the announcement of the next stop, instead hearing that the individual will never stop. Other passengers and normal objects will take on a frightening appearance, and the individual will experience an almost pathological fear of everyone else aboard the vehicle. Additionally, the individual will find themselves completely unable to disembark from the vehicle, and they will possess the absolute knowledge that it is indeed impossible to get off. Along with this, they will be unable to perceive other passengers getting on or off the vehicle, instead seeing them simply appear or disappear in their seats. As an additional effect, or perhaps simply as a result of this, the individual will be unable to be reasoned with or calmed down. Bystanders won't be able to notice any of the strange phenomena the individual is experiencing, but they will report feelings of unease, and will generally attempt to exit the vehicle earlier than intended. The foundation first discovered 342 in 1936 in Chicago, and later they learned the importance of always retrieving the ticket after it's been used, using any means necessary. In New York, the ticket was lost for six months, resulting in the disappearance of a number of New York citizens. 342 is currently kept in a secure file cabinet at a foundation facility, as it's no danger when contained, but the foundation did go through a number of experiments with the ticket. Their first experiment of course involved giving the ticket to a D-class and putting him on a bus, and because they weren't sure at the time how it affected other passengers. The agents simply waited at each of the bus's stops instead of being on the vehicle themselves. All the agents managed to catch was the D-Class sitting there, or pacing back and forth, or staring out of a window in horror. The last few stops they couldn't see him at all, and finally, right before the bus was to be parked for the night, they saw him pounding on a window, pleading for help as a strange mist surrounded him. He of course was not recovered. The agent spoke afterwards with many of the other passengers, although practically all of them were hesitant to talk or claimed they didn't notice anything unusual. A group of teenagers did have some information, though, saying that the D-Class had tried to leave a number of times, but either the doors would close right before he disembarked, or there would be too many people swarming in and out for him to leave, or his pulls on the stop bell would be ignored by the driver. One of the teenagers was particularly bothered about something, but couldn't say what, so the agents put him under hypnosis. He reveals that he had seen the man attempt to leave, but a few people in a crowd of passengers actually held or pushed the man back, without even seeming to realize they were doing it. The D class also tried to scream at the driver to stop the bus for 10 minutes, but was completely ignored, aside from being told to sit down and be quiet. Two of the teenagers say that the man actually shrieked and stumbled back into his seat when the driver turned to look at him. The teenagers began to ignore the d-class as he stayed quiet in his seat, but he continued to move further back in the bus, without the teens noticing him get up at any point. At the end of the interrogation session, the youngest of the teens screamed, it was like it swallowed him in the end, and the boy promptly had to be hospitalized for extreme psychosis as the entire interrogation seemed to be greatly upsetting to the teenagers. So we have an anomaly that is determined to kidnap people, and is very good at it, seemingly able to use the driver and other passengers to make sure the person doesn't escape. The foundation gained some info from this test, but now that they know nothing terrible happened to the passengers, they sent another d-class in, with one agent, agent Strom, riding along this time on a subway. The trouble started right away though, as soon as 342 was handed to the ticket taker, the D-class immediately became aggravated and verbally accosted the woman. Afterwards, a pair of security guards, seemingly in a trance, attempted to separate Strom from the D-class, quietly saying, one at a time please. Strom was forced to knock one of the guards down so that he could make it onto the subway. Aboard the train, the D-Class became exceptionally quiet and still, despite being one of their most violent prisoners. Strom began testing and interviewing him, taking various fluid samples and checking his heart and brain for abnormalities, until he quietly said he wanted to be let off the train. Strom informed him he could get off in a few hours, causing the D-Class to become extremely aggressive, jumping up and down and against the walls, swinging on bars, and howling, Strom knocked him out with his truncheon and handcuffed him, holding up a badge to the other passengers that said he was a US Marshal. Strom found that the man had entered REM sleep after only three minutes, which is especially unusual for someone that had been knocked unconscious. After he woke back up, Strom told him they were aborting the experiment, and he would help him get off the train. They were prevented from doing so by a crowd of people boarding and even the second time, when Strom held up his badge and told people to remain in their seats, they were still stopped by the crowd. Strom claimed that the d-class was pulled away from him by hands that didn't belong to any passengers, but fortunately they were handcuffed to each other. In the chaos, the d-class clung to Strom hard enough to cause bruises, and Strom's badge was knocked out of his hand and he was hit in the side of the head. While riding to the next stop, Strom grew more aggressive, interrogating other passengers to find out who hit him, going so far as to vigorously shake some passengers, throwing one man to the floor and striking another in the face. Strom attempted to communicate with some other agents at the next stop, but both sides reported the other voice coming through like a quiet, frightened child. The d-class begins pounding on the door, and Strom threatens to sedate him which quickly stops the man. He proceeds to say, No, that's how it started. A lonely dark ride in unknown parts of the country. Travelers and drifters. The unattached. They would fall asleep with a bottle of booze, and oh god, when they woke up they'd still be going. Still be on. Don't you get it? They wake up, and even though they slept for hours, they still be on. Who knows where. At the next stop, a group of agents waited to board the train and lead the d-class off. They were met with resistance by the large crowds until one agent fired his gun into the air, causing the train to be evacuated and cordoned off. The driver was told to shut down the subway, but he appeared greatly confused, so the foundation shut down power to the subway. They then attempted to take the d-class off of the train, but were unsuccessful. Although one would presume that the man wanted to get off, no efforts on the agents' parts worked, with many of them claiming that he was holding on to one of the bars to prevent being dragged off. Strom said that he's not holding on to anything. Instead, there's some sort of wall. The other agents realized that they were holding on to both of the man's hands, making the whole situation pretty strange. In a last-ditch effort, the agents attempted to set up equipment to dismantle the subway car but in a moment when they weren't watching, the subway doors closed, and it began moving, carrying the d-class and strom. They caught up with it at the next stop, where passengers began boarding despite orders not to, and they later found strom eight kilometers away, comatose on a subway platform, blood on one end of his handcuffs matching that of the d-class. Despite the trauma from going through that ordeal, Or perhaps because of it, Strom volunteered to be the subject of the next test, claiming that he could provide much better communication throughout the situation. He even went so far as pleading with an O5 to be allowed to carry out the test. It was approved, and he was joined by two other agents on the trip, both close friends of his. It's believed that having close friends nearby kept Strom sane throughout the ordeal. And he was able to calmly describe and explain some of the anomalous effects transpiring. He seemed to accept the inevitability of what was going to happen, as he never brought up the idea of getting off the train. Eventually, the other agents attempted to get him off the train, but a homeless man that had been traveling with them suddenly hurled one of them across the train, breaking the man's neck. The homeless man was shot four times, and at the next stop, Foundation personnel began transporting the vagrant in an ambulance, but his body disappeared when passing under the ruin of a train bridge in an abandoned part of town. Strom and the other remaining agent continued on the train, with Strom experiencing more and more severe hallucinations, and the other agent now noticing more mild hallucinations. After the train reached the end of the line, Strom began to slowly drift forward towards the front of the train passing through solid material in the process, seemingly oblivious of the process. When pointed out by the other agent, he began running towards the back of the train, but stopped in the middle, pounding against the air. Strom said that he was at the back of the train, and it's pulling out of the station. The other agent tried to help, but soon Strom was being quickly pulled on the ground towards the front of the train, his fingernails scratching the floor. He ended up in the conductor's compartment at the front, where he began to cry out in terror. The other agent pulled out their gun and attempted to mercy kill Strom, but couldn't shoot through the reinforced glass. The other agent later reported that they saw a creature that looked like an enormous spider with a conductor's hat, wrapping Strom in a web and then tossing him out the window like it was air. The creature then turned to the other agent and told him to exit the train. The agent was recovered later at the back of the train, continuing to pull the trigger on their empty gun. The theory proposed based on this experiment is that when an individual uses 342 to board a vehicle, they are actually boarding two different vehicles. One of them is the normal version that other passengers are on but the other is the anomalous version. Both vehicles overlap one another completely and travel at the same rate. The individual that used the ticket perceives this second version much more than other passengers, but it affects everyone to various degrees. When the normal version reaches the end of its journey, the anomalous version continues going, taking the individual with it. As for where it goes, and what's going on with the weird spider conductor, your guess is as good as mine. The foundation proceeded to go through a number of more tests to see if they could better control the situation and the outcome. They set up a fake transportation system involving a foundation bus with one of their personnel driving and a d-class as the only passenger, but nothing happened. They went further to elaborate the system, including having a number of agents board with the d-class, each presenting a ticket, and the d-class presenting 342, but nothing happened. They tried to make loud announcements throughout the process, including denying one agent passage because he didn't have a ticket, but it seems whatever dictates how 342 functions wasn't taking the bait. Next, they tried bringing in civilians, unaware of the experiment, each using tickets distributed by the foundation, but the d-class was still capable of leaving at any time. They then tried switching out the driver for a civilian, which triggered something. The driver was fine until the d-class boarded using 342, at which point they became extremely bewildered by the controls of the bus, even if it was the same model they were used to. And they all claimed that they couldn't drive this one. Okay, they're getting somewhere, so they allowed the drivers to use their normal buses, but set it up with different corporations and public departments so that the driver would only pick up the d-class and then stop shortly after. When the time came for the drivers to go along the planned route, they diverted back to their normal routes, saying that they didn't have the time to change their routines for egg-headed paper pushers. In hindsight, the researchers for 342 believed that the ticket was luring them into creating a situation where it could fully activate, but they persisted. They made a deal with a specific driver that he would go along his normal route, but halfway through he would switch with another driver, one of the foundation personnel. He was offered considerable compensation for this and told if he failed to cooperate, he would lose his job. The d-class approached the bus stop where he was going to be picked up, and 342 altered into a ticket specific to that bus, signaling its effects. The prisoner was sent aboard the bus, and as the driver pulled to a stop and attempted to get out of his seat, the brakes on the bus failed, and began speeding down a hill. The bus crushed a young girl crossing the street, and kept going. The driver was still in his seat, and the foundation attempted to get him to stop the bus, but he refused. They set up roadblocks and punctured two of the bus's tires, but the driver still managed to get the bus on the highway, going 130 miles per hour in the wrong direction. The last statement they received from him was, I'm not pulling over, I'm a driver and that's what I do. That's my purpose. I don't need to switch. I can get him where he's going. He ended up driving the bus off of the edge, just as a sniper shot him in the head, and the bus exploded in a fiery blaze as it crashed into the ground. A bystander later reported that she saw an identical second bus rise out of the smoke and open its doors. A single burning silhouette, shaped like a human, came out of the flames and entered the bus, which pulled away and disappeared. They tried the same setup three more times, but with trains instead, and each time the d-class happened to get aboard a different train, where they were taken away. Things weren't working in the foundation's favor, and all they were really doing was satisfying whatever was in charge of 342. Things came to a climax when an agent was trying to help a d-class off of a train, And ended up getting decapitated when their neck got caught in a door. This ultimately resulted in the end of the foundation's research into 342, as so far it has only resulted in the useless waste of life. On a side note, there had been several reports of some sort of specter haunting the train systems carrying a bundle in his lap the size of a human head. Before the end of the research however, one doctor had volunteered to have 342 ripped by a ticket taker, but then not board the vehicle. He then began keeping a journal of his experiences, which was filled with feelings of sphere anxiety, neurosis, fear, and paranoia, notably an unrelenting fear of roads. In time he refused to ever leave work for fear of traveling, and became a nervous wreck, He was transferred to some small project, where he continually bothered the other personnel by either only walking between destinations, always arriving late, or always asking for a ride home, as his brand new car kept breaking down for some reason. After finally attacking a tow truck driver for suggesting he should take a bus home, he was confined to house arrest. In the end, he was reported missing by his wife who claimed his final words were, well, I guess it's time to go. Neighbors report the sounds of a large vehicle driving away, thick tire tracks were found on his suburban street, and a suitcase filled with his clothing was found by the side of the road. The final addendum is written by Dr. Clef, taking over from the head of 342 research, Dr. Gunsther. Clef says that a few days ago, He and Gunsther were going over some old files, and stumbled across the file for 342. Gunsther removed it from its envelope, and the two discussed it as he sat on the table. The two left to attend a showing of Repo, the genetic opera, with a couple other doctors, but Clef noted that Gunsther became somewhat perturbed after presenting his ticket. He continued to appear preoccupied and distressed throughout the show but Clef assumed he was just reacting to the musical. Afterwards, the group discussed going to a bar, but Gunster said that it was time for him to leave, and he gave Clef an envelope. He told Clef to keep it safe, and wished him the best in his future endeavors. He boarded a taxicab, which sped off unusually quickly into the night. Inside the envelope were two identical tickets for the musical. But one of them transformed into a $20 bill as they approached a bar with a $20 cover charge. Clef realized what had happened and raced back to where Gunster had gotten into the taxi. They discovered that the street the taxi sped down was actually an alley that ended in a brick wall. No trace of Dr. Gunster has been seen since. Gunster must have realized what had transpired when he opened his wallet at the musical to purchase a drink. And then proceeded to sit through the show regardless. Clef ponders the amount of mental fortitude it must have taken Gunsther to remain calm during the musical, and he's struck with a sense of loss at his passing. Clef requests then that 342's file is permanently sealed. There isn't really some grand lesson here, I suppose, or some moral that I could explain to you. It's just a really weird transforming ticket that takes people on a doom train conducted by a spider creature into some other reality. The concept of shadow or ghost trains, vehicles that carry departing souls to an afterlife, isn't really a new one, but this one is a bit more disturbing, as these people aren't exactly ready to depart. It's an scp that leaves you with more questions than answers, and might unnerve you a little, but. As long as you don't take a bus or a train every day, you're probably fine.